Welcome to the Live in Everett podcast, where we explore good things in Everett, Washington. I'm Tyler Chisholm. I'm producer Henry J. Garrett is out sick today, sadly. Feel better, Garrett. Okay, thanks everybody for joining us on episode 113, which is brought to you with support by Milltown Credit Union, going strong since 1939. Join them as they celebrate 80 years in business. From Visa cards to checking accounts, Milltown Credit Union is your one-stop shop for all your financial needs. Visit them at milltowncu.org or stop by and visit them at 3102 Broadway in Everett. On today's episode, we'll be sharing events from the Weekly Goodness, talking about some big things coming up for Live in Everett this summer, including the Food Truck Festival. What, what? And we're going to have a chat with Todd McNeil from Hand in Hand. And sadly, no trivia this week because Garrett is uh, sick. The three points will just go to me. We'll just assume that I won. Okay, we'll do that. (laughs) Let's jump in. All right, let's take a look at some events happening around Everett this week from our Weekly Goodness newsletter, an email newsletter that we send out every single Monday. So, Henry, what are you doing this week? Well, baseball season's back, as you know. Oh, yeah, as I know, yeah. And it's about to to really kick off in Everett because it's the Everett Merchants versus the Everett Aqua Sox. It's the Everett Cup. They do it every single year. The Merchants are a collegiate baseball league. Uh, or sorry, collegiate baseball team. Okay. They're kind of a independent baseball team. They play around in all these different wood bat leagues, very cool stuff. So you can kind of watch like kids that play at EBCC and all oh, the that's cool. community colleges and colleges around here for years too. Uh, so they're going to be playing against the Aqua Sox Wednesday at 7.05 PM. What it's really cool about this year is obviously the partnership with Funko. Yeah. Now we have Funko field. And if you go to this game, with a ticket, you can purchase a, an exclusive Webley Funko Pop. You should grab me one if you go. I'll take an exclusive Webley. Is it limit one per customer? You know, it may be. I don't know. Oh, but, man, I hope not. But it would be cool to get a Webley Funko Pop. To sell on eBay? To, no, not to sell on <laughs> eBay. To have here in the limit of offices. <laughs> I wonder how much the Webley Funko Pop would be, though. I wonder if this is like a really hot exclusive in the world of Funko Pops because those things get crazy expensive. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm wondering, too. It sucks to think that way about things. It spoils the fun, doesn't it? It does. (laughs) But it won't spoil uh, this really cool exhibition match, Everett versus Everett. Who who normally wins? The Aqua Sox usually win. (laughs) Yeah. But sometimes it's close, and sometimes the merchants pull it out. It's pretty cool. Gosh, I want to go to that. I freaking love Aqua Sox games. It's a lot of fun. Every time I go, I go to a couple every summer, and whenever I go to them, I feel like for like the whole week after I go to the game, I'm like, evangelizing for the Aquasox games because they're so incredibly affordable. Like if you pay for those general admission tickets, it's like 10 or 12 bucks or something. Even less than that sometimes. And if you go on like a, yeah, I think it is less than that. I can't remember what I paid, but I remember when I went there last time, I was like, yeah, I'll just get general admission. And I think it was $8. It's something like that. I know that they have ticket specials all the time, especially during the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I went on like some sort of, I think it was like Thirsty Thursday or Tuesday or something. Yeah, yeah. But it was like $2 beers, $2 hot dogs. It was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, Aqua Sox rule. <laughs> so that game happening Wednesday night at 7.05 p.m. I can now walk to Everett Memorial. Excuse me, Funko Field at Everett Memorial Stadium. <laughs> I'm pretty excited. Yeah, that's cool. What do you have on deck? Um, well... I think I've said this before, but I'm basically turning into my Aunt Karen slowly, but surely as I uh, ease into my mid-30s, I bought my first pair of Crocs. I What color? Uh, I just got black. They oh. were the most affordable on, on Amazon, which is like so bad. I bought plastic shoes from Amazon.com. What kind of monster am I? <laughs> well, I was hoping that, that you would have gotten the Crocs with the flames on them. no. You know, I don't wear the Crocs out in public, though, but I will say they are great gardening shoes, which gets me to my event, which is the annual plant sale uh, at the Evergreen Arboretum, which is at Legion Memorial Park. Um, man, Sorticulture was last week, and I went there, and I got four plants. Did you see the giant flaming dragon? The flaming dragon, that I did. That was pretty sick. Yeah, I was thinking about that, like. I'm not a big fan of garden art. I know this is controversial because of sort of culture and it's like a important event for Everett, but I feel like gardens are so beautiful. Why do you want to crap it up with 
garden art. <laughs> wow. Crap it up. Um, strong word. But that dragon. Yeah. I'd buy it, but I'd just make it an indoor flaming dragon. I, I feel like I'd never put it in my garden, but it would look killer in my living room. I would buy it and connect it to my doorbell. <laughs> so every time we ring the doorbell, just flames shoot out of somewhere. Totally. Not yeah. to burn somebody, but just to scare the hell out of them. <laughs> I think it'd be great. I like that. Anyway, this weekend, the annual plant sale at the Arboretum, 10 a.m. on Saturday. It's all ages, free to attend. Good deals on plants. Here's a pro tip. I can't believe I'm about to say this on the podcast. But if you go there on Sunday morning, there's a chance that they left everything there and it's free. So apparently, <laughs> no I, it's way. a rumor that I heard, but I heard it from a reliable source that whatever they don't sell at the annual plant sale, they leave out on the curb and it's free. Oh, okay. I thought it was just they for, you said that they forgot. So they oh, like no. forgot to take things away. And then <laughs> no, 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 no. It's called stealing. No, 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 no. That's <laughs> not what I'm saying. It's uh, they they leave stuff there intentionally and it's free, but they don't advertise that. So don't tell too many people if you're listening to this. They're my plants. I get first dibs. It's a living Everett secret right there. Yep. All right. And that's what I'm doing. Well, that's what we picked out for this week. For more details and get the weekly goodness sent directly to your inbox every Monday, just go to liveinever.com slash subscribe. Now I get to be Tyler and do Life in Everett this week. So we're going to be talking about some cool stuff coming up for Live in Everett during the summer, which includes the Food Truck Festival. And we have some big news about the Food Truck Festival. We're going to have a partnership. We'll get to that in a minute. Yep. But my question is, as the new hire around here, well, somewhat new now, Food Truck Festival was all the rage when I wasn't really a part of Live in Everett. I went to two of them, I think. And then took the year off. And I'm wondering why why bring it back now? Yeah, we took the year off last year because a couple reasons. So last year being 2018, <clears throat> we um, grew tired of it. <laughs> it's, it's a lot. It's a like, ton of work to put on and it doesn't, it, it doesn't make any money. You know, and it's like not, we don't do everything to make money. I t I'm telling you, like living Everett is not about making money. Yeah. I drive a 2004 Volkswagen, you know, I'm not rich over here. So I'm not about making money, but I'm not about losing money and working my butt off. And, um, you know, we had some other stuff that we were working on last year. We were onboarding the county contract with Milltown Creative. And, uh, but moved we to, moved into this office. There was a lot of, a lot of growth. Yeah. We needed to kind of let something go, uh, follow for a little while. Fallow, fallow. Is that what fields do? Sure. Yeah. Anyway. So, but we wanted to bring it back because the community really wanted it. And, uh, you know, we said we're going to try it again this year and we're going to try to, um, have it pay for itself and make some money and make it worth our while and make it bigger and better than ever. And so that's what we're doing. And now the Yum Run is a part of it for the first year. Yep. It's a 5K. Yep. So that's new for this year is the, the Everett Yum Run, which is a food-themed 5K. So one thing that we've always tried to do with the Food Truck Festival is try to think about a way to like incentivize people or, or create a package that... Because we don't charge people to go to the Food Truck Festival. It's a free event. We don't want to charge an admission because food's already expensive, right? And we don't want to... It's always been a free event. We always want to make it a free event. Right. Um, but there's just, you know, back to the whole money thing, right? And radical transparency for your listeners. It's not a lot of, if we charge the trucks a vendor space, well, we can only fit so many vendors um, on the street. And then we have to rely on advertising and sponsorship. And um, that's not all, that doesn't always pan out. So, we've tried to create packages for people to like pay for early entry. And we tried this in 2017 and we didn't really like what we did. Like it didn't work out very well. Um, so the yum run is a way for people to get early admission to the food truck festival. So it's like a food themed 5k runners will get a custom shirt. If they sign up early enough, they'll get a food themed hat, either a hot dog, hamburger or pizza. And they can run or walk this 5K. There's going to be two mile munch markers. So at mile one, mile two, there's going to be an opportunity for a small bite. We're working with local 
uh, purveyors for those um, small bite mile markers. There'll be water and stuff too. Think of it like a normal mile marker in a 5K. And then uh, best part, you finish and uh, you get early access to the food truck festival. So for the first hour or so, it'll only be open to Yum Runners. So, and the Yum Run early bird special right now is 29 bucks per runner. And I don't know if you do a lot of 5Ks. No. But 29 bucks for a 5K where you get like early admission into an event plus like a costume and a shirt uh, is a pretty, pretty fair price. I think so too. And you'll also get to check out the um, maker's market as well as going to be there. Yep. So here's the cool thing. The thing that I like love is coming to fruition this year is the food truck fest and the beer fest are going to be on the same day, one block away, and they're going to be connected by the maker's market. Right. So that's upper left beer fest, upper left beer, fest, which was yep. a lot of fun last year. I got to play with Oliver L Farmy and it was really cool. Yeah. Everybody always has a lot of fun at the beer fest. It is a festival of beer, you know? Yeah, how could you not? But anyway, it's going to be like this horseshoe of goodness between Wetmore. So our festival is going to be like on Wetmore um, between Everett and Hewitt. So in front of Funco, Wetmore Plaza. And then um, the Beer Fest is on Hoyt by Library Place. And then California is going to be the maker's market that will connect the two events. So it's going to be pretty cool. I guess it's going to be more of a lowercase h shape Right, right. <laughs> but still, it's a lot. It's August 24th. August 24th, yep. Yum Run uh, starts at 10.30. It's a little bit later than a normal run, but we uh, there's a memorial run that happens in Everett on the same day that's been happening for a number of years, and we did not want to uh, usurp or um, clash with that important memorial run. So that's why it starts at 10.30, in case anyone's asking before you send a letter and say, why the hell are you starting your run so late? It's because we're nice people. Also, if you don't want to participate in the Yum Run, general admission opens at 1130. Yep, that is correct. And uh, like I said, the food truck festival is free. You don't have to run to go to the food truck festival. So that's a really important distinction. Yes. And also upper upper left, you have to pay. Yeah, upper left beer fest, yeah. it, you do have to pay. We do have a promo code right now. If you sign up for the Yum Run, you're going to save, I think it's five bucks off of uh, Beer Fest admission. And you get that promo code when you sign up for the Yum Run. So in your confirmation email, you'll get a promo code for Beer Fest. And I think it's five bucks off. So, you know, for not much money, you're going to be participating in a fun run. You're going to be looking at Evermaker's Market. You're going to be eating a bunch of food and you're going to be drinking a ton of beer. Totally. And it could, I mean, I'm not going to lie. If you're anything like me, the day is going to add up. You're going to eat like $70 worth of food. You're probably going to re-up on some beer tokens while you're there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you're going to pay 29 bucks for the Yum Run. Probably going to buy a random purse with a cat sewn on the side from the maker's market and then lose it because you had too many beers at the beer fest and not ride a lime scooter home because you're responsible. You're going to walk or catch an Uber and it's going to be a great time. And it's going to be a lot less expensive than if you were to do the same thing in Seattle. There we go. And the big news is for the food truck. Festival, yes. Before we stop of, talking about it, speaking of getting home, speaking of or lime there. scooters or there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Why don't you tell them Henry? So community transit has partnered with us with the live in Everett and the Everett food truck festival. They are the official transportation service of the food truck festival and yum run. Uh, they're going to provide obviously bus routes, um, to Everett, to Everett station. But what's really cool is that we've teamed up to mail free starter Orca cards preloaded with bus fare to anyone who RSVPs to ride at communitytransit.org slash yum. So if you go to that website, you can sign up to get a free starter Orca card, which has bus fare money on it already. What? I know. Why is Community Transit so awesome? I don't know, but communitytransit.org slash yum is where you can go. My mind is literally blown right now. So they're going to mail out Orca cards to everyone in uh, in your party, it says, along with a customized itinerary for your trip to the festival. My gosh, what's going to be on the itinerary? I don't know. Does it? Wow. 
I, I'm sure this, I'll have to write it. <laughs> so I wonder like if somebody signs up in Monroe yeah. for this to ride the bus, if community transit is going to like customize an itinerary based on their starting point in Monroe and be like, yo, ride the bus into Lake Stevens. Make sure to bring your, here, yeah. make sure to bring your swim trunks because you're going to go for a swim in Lake Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that would be very cool. That would be super cool. You know, um, Last week we did the Live and Everett Live podcast. Yes. Which was one of the most fun things I've done in a long time. It was very, very cool. And one of our um, audience members just got a job for community, uh, working for community transit. And it was like her third or fourth day. And she said that community transit is the best place that she's ever worked. So big ups to community transit for partnering with us. One, thank you so much for the support. Two, this is an awesome like, like program that you've put together uh, for our people and your people. And thanks for being a great place to work for our Live in Everett audience member. <laughs> so remember, RSVP to ride Community Transit to the Food Truck Festival and receive a free Orca card with bus fare at communitytransit.org slash yum. Ride the bus. Very cool. Before we transition over into our talk with Todd McNeil from Hand in Hand. Uh, speaking of the, the live podcast, we were talking about it. We want to do more. What do you think? What do I think? Yeah. Do you oh, want to do more? Oh, yeah. I definitely want to do more. That was so much fun. It was fun. So, again, I, I know I thanked people last last podcast, but for real, thank you so much for coming out to Blue Water. And thanks to Blue Water, too. It was a fantastic time. They took wonderful care of us. Totally. Could have been more gracious as hosts. Um, so, yeah, we're thinking about maybe twice a year doing it. Gosh, I would even do it talk. four times a year, to be honest. Uh-huh. I'd do it monthly. That's how much <laughs> fun I had. I don't know where we would do the next one. So if anyone has any ideas, I'm all ears. Yeah, that would be cool. You could always drop us a line, podcast at liveinever.com, or leave us a voicemail to 425-341-3731. Um, one more thing I wanted to say before we get out of here is that, remember, episode 100 we did it live from here from our um what do you what do you call this the conference lounge <laughs> live from the conference lounge and i think we're gonna we're gonna start to do that more often maybe yeah. once every couple of months or so do, that'd be cool do a live in Everett live in quotation marks that would be cool and so, then before we move off yes one more thing that i'm gonna interject with while we are asking people to drop us a line at 425-341-3731 do you know the definitive answer? Is it Everdites or Evertonians? And if so, what is your source? It's, so, it's Everdites from Barb Lamoureux. <laughs> but is it in the charter? That's I, what I want. I don't know. Or like, is it in some sort of is codified document written in stone somewhere that is Everdites? Because I believe that it's Everdites and I'll die on that hill. It sounds better than Evertonians. I think we should put this uh, uh, as a as a post on Facebook and Instagram. There should be a reader poll. Yeah. I feel. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It yep. Really We're going to do that. We want to know. So we'll do that, and then we'll talk to the mayor, see if we can get it written down. Yep. Amended to something. Yep. 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 Perfect. Sounds good. What, anyway, what do you think? Everdites, Evertonians, where should we do our next Live in Everett Live? If you want to know more about this cool partnership with Community Transit, uh, once again, communitytransit.org slash yum, RSVP today. Drop us a line through social media. Of course, slide into our DMs or leave us a voicemail at 425-341-3731. And we'll be right back with our interview with Todd McNeil from Hand in Hand. Perfect. Ride Swift Green Line to get places near and far. Mill Creek Town Center, Painfield Passenger Terminal, and Boeing. Or make a regional connection to Seattle, Bellevue, and beyond. Where will you go? Learn more at communitytransit.org slash ride swift. At Washington State University Everett, students who complete their first two years at any community college, including running start in college in the classroom, can transfer to WSU Everett to earn a bachelor's degree in one of our in-demand programs in engineering, communication, business, and agriculture. Learn more at everett.wsu.edu. We're closer than you think. 
Okay, on today's uh, episode, we have one of my legitimate heroes. Uh, we've been trying to have this person on the podcast for the last couple of years, and he's finally here. Todd McNeil from Hand in Hand. Thank you so much for being here today. Oh, thank you so much. Just glad to be here. Honored. All right, Todd. So uh, tell us about uh, Hand in Hand. Oh, Hand in Hand. In a, in a nutshell. In a we, nutshell, yeah. Yeah, we, we love kids. And uh, my wife and I are longtime foster parents. And we, uh, we just wanted to serve foster kids initially, but then we found that a lot of kids came into care that um, actually had really good parents. It could be immigration issues, parents working in the evenings. Uh, we, we had somebody come in um, whose dad had a heart attack, and we just saw the need to actually um, just come alongside families and help them out, and that's what we're about. So foster care is just so misunderstood. People think about, you know, only think about abuse and neglect, but really sometimes families just need a hand up. And so we work with those kids that are, en- you know, entering care for the first time usually and really trying to prevent kids from coming in. And then also kids who are living in non-traditional homes. Maybe they're living with an aunt or an uncle or, um, you know, we've had kids with had a, a mom or dad pass away and it just just in a tough situation. So you know, thinking about foster care in a little bit broader sense, not just those kids that are in state custody. And I want to get into, uh, you know, more uh, thoroughly about what all you do at Hand in Hand. Um, but before we get into that more, I am curious how you first got involved with Hand in Hand. Well, it, we, my wife and I started um, uh, fostering. And to, to be honest, it was a conversion to faith at 29 years old. I actually read this book. You guys might have heard of it. It's called called The Bible. <laughs> it, <laughs> the it was Bible. just so much different. Uh, a friend of mine encouraged me to do it, but it was so much different. I thought, you know, from churches, it's just this book that tells you what you can't do. And I, I wanted to have fun, right? Yeah, and I know a little I, bit about you before. You ran a construction company, right? And you were kind of a little yeah. bit of a raucous individual, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I love I love Harley Davidson's yeah, yeah. and cold beer and heavy metal music. And, yeah, yeah. Yes, and really what, in reading this book, what was cool was it, it had these, these mantras. You take care of orphans, widows, immigrants, and the poor. Mm. And so for my wife and I, we thought, this is pretty cool. So it, was, it, was, it really was a conversion of faith. We thought, okay, we're living here in Everett. We lived in the Madison neighborhood, just a block north of Casino Road. And um, we just started kind of serving kids. And we had lots of immigrants there. And um, there was some poor there and started coaching and volunteering. And that led into, you know, recognizing that some kids didn't have homes, which led into foster care. And and it was just this journey, this long journey. And the reality hand in hand started because we um, we saw this need when kids enter care in emergency situations. And so if there's a drug raid or domestic violence or we don't like to talk about this, but we have young kids who get prostituted, you know, six mm. months old, two months old, you know, 10 years old. Jeez. And so these horrible things, and there was no place to take them. Uh, Washington state law had actually made it illegal to care for kids under 13 years old in a facility-based environment. And they did this to try to abolish orphanages, but the unintended consequence was kids rode around in social workers' cars all night after drug raids. Mm. And we had to start a nonprofit in order to change that system. So it was, it was really about just wanting to, to serve kids. Yeah. I, I introduced you as one of my heroes earlier and I do mean that. I think a couple of years, maybe it was probably five years ago, you and I had lunch and you told me a little bit about how you got into this line of work. And I remember you looked at me and you said, cause, cause what you do to me is like blows my mind, right? You're just, uh, changing laws in order to like make a difference, you know, such a big heavy lift. And when I asked you like what your background was and you're like, Oh, I worked in construction. The truth is I was, I remember you said this, you were like, in some ways I was, I was just an F up, but I saw a need in a community. So I just started working towards it. And I think about that, like, um, just having a heart for something and like this humbleness where it's like this thing, the system was broken and you took it upon yourself to be part of the solution and find innovative solutions for it. Yeah. And I wish I could take all the credit for that. There was uh, I was complaining about a kiddo who was being harmed by this system and I have really good friends, Cindy and Lenny Locke. And I kept whining about it. And Cindy was the one who finally called me out. It was one of those life changing moments where she just mm-hmm. said, 
are you going to keep complaining about it or are you going to do something about oh, it? Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, what can I do? I'm a construction worker. And she, she just really called me out. I appreciate her being a, being a good friend. And she was a longtime foster parent herself. So mm-hmm. had a lot of people who uh, have pushed and prodded in a very healthy, yeah, yeah. healthy way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we could, I think we can all be part of the solution. I think that what she taught me in that conversation was, uh, are you going to be a complainer or are you going to be a doer? And at hand in hand, we want to be doers. Sure. So I'm curious what the kind of specific programs are that you offer at hand in hand. Yeah, we have, um, it's a village impact program. And what we really work on is strengthening families. And we, uh, provide some, some short-term food assistance if people need it and can kind of connect them to services. We'll meet with families who are, um, may have uh, CPS involvement, or it could be just as simple as telling people where to go to get their taxes done. It, it's amazing for an, for an immigrant or people living in poverty how much they, they just don't know. So working a lot on strengthening families to keep kids out of foster care and some of it's really fun we have soccer camp and we connect kids with sports and and just do life with people um and then we we have a shelter called safe place it was the first of its kind in in the state and it's when kids are entering care for the first time they they come to us and and uh we uh, take them for their medical checks and kind of get some eyes on the kid during what's called the shelter care period um, so when a child comes into foster care, they uh, have 72 hours, three business days to come up with a plan to go before a judge. And so we take care of the kids during that time frame. And so kids leave us with three to five sets of clothing. We have incredible partners here. Uh, the Imagine Children's Museum gives us free membership. So all the kids get a trip to the Imagine Children's Museum. We take them to the, all nice. these local parks and we just spoil them rotten. And we can feed information to the social workers about, hey, they said they had an aunt that they loved or a teacher. Because ultimately, you want to keep them out of foster care. You want to keep them in their community. That's really cool. So do most of the kids, um, like, like do families seek you guys out? Or um, do, do kids typically just get placed with you from, from like social services or something? Or? Yeah, how it works is a lot of misunderstanding in the system. Uh, some people think that Child Protective Services, CPS, removes kids. And they actually can't here in Washington. It's, it would be illegal for a CPS worker to remove a child. The ways that children end up in foster care is either from their parents. It's called a voluntary placement agreement. So a mom or dad might be sick. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, it's a parent making the right decision. I, I've, you know, I'm addicted to drugs or, you know, alcohol and I just need help. So could I put my kid in care while I get help? Um, it can also be done by a judge where there could be an investigation and, and uh, a children's administration makes a case to a judge and a judge can order that child uh, placed into foster care. Most of the kids that we get, it's, it's from the police. So the police department can place kids into, into protective custody. And that typically happens, um, drug raids, domestic violence, uh, you know, driving under the influence, you know, that, that type of stuff. So the, the kids that come into safe places, the kids that as a community, we've, we've kind of failed. We didn't have enough eyes on them to, to prevent them coming in. Um, I said it was the first, first shelter in the state, but I should mention that once we got the legislation through, and created that licensure that the program has been replicated in Seattle, um, Tacoma, uh, and up in, in Whatcom County. So we've helped other nonprofits in other counties uh, with policies, procedures, methods, and helped them start them as well. So Very pretty cool. much up and down the I-5 corridor now, social workers have a place to bring these kids. When we were um, talking a few years back, you had a program Sela Homes, is that right? And that was like a longer term, 30 days. Yeah. There's some changes there. Yeah, we're really taking a hard hard look at, at that program. We still have our child placing agency license. Um, the idea was that we have uh, homes, sometimes that 72 hours isn't enough. Mm-hmm. And we, um, we license some homes specifically to just kind of do the revolving door foster parents of taking a kid for 30 days. Uh, during the time 
period. Uh, say, for example, there's a relative out of state and you have to get court papers or there's a, a foster home who wants to take them in, but they've got to get relicensed for more kids. So some of those things. But what we really found was it was really hard on those families. The constant revolving door was hard on the, the mm. foster families and the kids. And so we're really taking a, a hard look at, is that really the best way? We're, the children are served really well in the program, but are we really caring for the foster family as well? Sure. One of the things that I, I always thought was so remarkable about what you do is your approach to um, wanting to keep kids out of the system, trying to reunite them either with their their parents or place them with some uh, another family member. And do you want to speak to why why that is why you want to keep kids out of the foster care system the the system isn't parents so it, it's broken um, and it's not anybody's fault um, hmm. when something bad happens we write a policy and the policy doesn't take common sense into account and we end up with <laughs> laws and bureaucracy and um, you can't raise children in a bureaucracy children belong in families um, and Foster parents are, are wonderful. I mean, I'm, I'm one myself, but there's not enough in the communities where the kids get pulled from. So typically, if the kids end up in a foster home, it means that they're going either to a different school or they're in what's called McKinney-Vento. Um, it provides transportation for kids, but sometimes they might be on a bus for an hour or taking a taxi to school, which is embarrassing. So um, we want to keep them in their community. Also, statistics show that kids thrive and do better if they're with family. Mm-hmm. Um, culturally, it's just so much different for uh, a child who grows up in poverty uh, to go to a middle-class home. It could be scary for them to have their own bedroom. Sure. It could be scary for them to live in a big house. The food is different. The smells are different. Um, they might be afraid of the dog and you know all these different things. So, yeah, we... We believe that kids belong in their community and with their families, and statistics back that up. Statistics show that children do better when when we can keep them with family. What do you enjoy most about your work that you do? I I would have to say building relationships with the families, um, and I love success stories. I think could, could I share a story just with the Absolutely. kid? Absolutely, yeah, please. please. Like this is just so proud of this kiddo. We had uh, one of the kids who's uh, played soccer for me, and um, she's just wonderful. Her name is Kayla, and she came to me one day about two years ago and said, "There's there's a girl that I met at school who who needs <laughs> needs hand in hand," and she brought her to me. And this girl, Kayla, by the way, is on a on an all-expense-paid uh, year-long study abroad in Germany. Super proud of this cool. kid. Cool. Oh, nice. Language immersion. So we're very proud of our kids. But Kayla brought us this kiddo, and so she came to us, and you could tell she was, she'd borrow clothes and then wear them, and some of the other kids would say she was finessing clothes, and we were dropping her off at different places. You kind of figured she was homeless, but not really ready to to share. And finally, at the, at the end of the, the summer, two years ago, she just said, Coach Todd, I... I, I don't need a, a soccer coach. I need a dad. I need a family. And she asked to come and live with us. And she shared her story. Um, she'd never met her dad. Her mom had been deported when she was three. Um, her, she went to Fiji to live with grandparents. Her mom had gotten a job in New Zealand. Her mom had her come and visit. And she ended up in New Zealand for several years, ended up back in Fiji. She was being raised by her grandparents. Grandmother dies. Grandfather was sick. So Fiji sent her to the United States because she wasn't a citizen because her dad's in California. And through a series of circumstances, she ended up couch surfing in Washington at 15 years old. Wow. So here's a kid who's learning the language, had never played an organized sport, tried out, didn't even make the junior varsity at Mariner High School. Um, not a not a really strong soccer program there. So let me tell you, she just... Didn't even know how to kick a ball. <laughs> Grades are terrible. You know, it's just all this stuff. And I want you to just fast forward for, for what it means to have family and a sense of community. Um, soccer and school were her saving grace. So she has incredible grades. Um, I coached her for a while, and then some other people asked if they could pick her up, mm-hmm. um, play premier soccer. 
Um, she was scholarship to two collegiate showcases. The last one was in Vegas and got multiple four-year offers, uh, academics wow. and soccer. Here's an orphan kid. Right? Yeah. So she's, this is the cool thing. She chose to stay here local. She's found a home in Everett. She's going to be attending Everett Community College, playing soccer for Coach Rafael Morins, and loves the community. Uh, she's, she's on a full-ride scholarship from the Legends of Washington State Legends of Soccer. They gave her a full-ride, and so her schooling is paid for. And that's, that's what family can do for you, and that, that's what hand-in-hand hand is. I know this is out of my house, but that's what we want to empower people to be able to take these kids in, give them a sense of family, a sense of responsibility. And um, See, Lisa... She just needed a little bit of hope and a little bit of opportunity. And look, now we've got a collegiate soccer player. How many of those kids are out there? Yeah. Um, I get to see them all the time. Yeah, so yeah. I'll tell you yeah. this a lot. I've got kind of a loaded question because I know the answer. But um, huh. I think most people don't understand how many of those kids are out there. They just need a sense of community and a sense of family. And South Everett can provide that. Hmm. That's amazing. And so did you say you fostered her or adopted her so we cannot adopt her because i don't have papers till she turns uh turns 18 uh uh, my my goal but uh we she she lives with us she calls us mom and dad and Mm. we've been able to keep her out of the foster care system Um, again systems can't raise children families you need families to raise kids how many foster kids do you have living with you right now well, we've, we've adopted the ones we have. So we currently have um, six girls in the house, wow. five, five are teenagers, a little bit, little bit crazy. And then we have a seven-year-old who thinks that she's a teenager. Yeah. So and out, out of those six girls, we currently have uh, five of them are, are adopted. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah that's amazing. What, do you, what are some of the challenges of your work? Oh, I, would, I would say that it is uh, the system. It is because any time that you would introduce a system into into work, a, a government system, um, it kind of can take common sense out of stuff. And I, I want to say this with an understanding that there's a need for bureaucracy and rules and all that stuff. But probably some of the most difficult things were um, when a well-intended law has unintended consequences. Um, for example, um, the outlawing of facility-based um, services for kids under 13, which made kids ride around in foster care. And it takes so long from the time my wife and I dreamt of changing that system and starting a shelter until um, Governor Inslee signed the legislation. It was 10 years. Hmm. Um, there's another one, too, We just that's really neat. Uh, the Washington Coalition of Homeless Youth Advocacy, um, the Mockingbird Society. Um, Representative Mike Sells, another one of my Everett favorites, uh, yeah, was yeah. very involved in the advocacy on this one as well. Um, but it was a rule where you couldn't take care of, of kids if they were running away from abusive environments, if they didn't want to talk about it. And it was a, it's, it's really complicated, but basically the the three choices were we could incarcerate the children for what's called statutory offenses. We could, um, take them back to their abuser or they could go to what's called a crisis residential center. And the problem is, is that the legislature only funded 36 beds. So what would happen is we incarcerated in Washington about 2,700 kids every year for what are called statutory offenses. Which is? Which is disobeying your parents, parents or a mm-hmm. judge or skipping school. But typically these kids had underlying problems why they were doing that. So uh, it took a long time to change it. but. Um, a, a bill was just passed. Like I said, you have to hand in hand was involved in gathering stories and advocating, but the heavy lifting, uh, uh, Liz Troutman from the Mockingbird Society, mm. uh, really drove this. Representative Mike Sells, uh, to have to give him a ton of credit. But that's the hardest thing is it's, it's the time that it takes to, um, to get some of this stuff through. Um, and it's really tough. The thing that makes it good, though, as you go through those hard things, is is having those partners and and you know we're shoulder to shoulder as we we go through this stuff. And so I'm really thankful for for the leadership that we have here in Everett. And I know hand in hand is moving locations. Uh, tell us about that. Yes, we're we're super excited. We actually um, run our safe place shelter out of. Uh, it, 
it was originally built to be a, a group health and so a doctor's office. Um, and so we, we have a house. Um, Bible Baptist Church, which is uh, located in, in South Everett, actually uh, has a house that they purchased, and they're going to do a 15-year lease for a dollar a year. And oh, wow. Yeah, cool. So it needs to be um, remodeled. Obviously, when you you know bringing something up to state licensing requirements, we really want to make sure that we've got great playgrounds and um, that it's accessible for kids with disabilities. So we're a few months off, you know, from the remodeling work, but we're ex- super, super excited. It's a lot more space. It's going to have a big yard. It has a big yard. Um, it's going to have uh, offices in the upstairs where social workers after hours, rather than trying to work out of their cars, they're going to be able to drop in and they're going to have terrific space where they can work. And it, it's just amazing. And then our administrative offices, uh, you know, we were, we were just crammed it, it was just the space was just so tight as we grew and and one of our partners windermere real estate um, actually called us over to take a look at some space and just told us that they really wanted us to to be there with them so we're going to be uh, it's just maybe two minutes from casino road um, off of 19th will be our new administrative location and uh really excited to be there it's just it's a gorgeous facility so your current location where you've been, where I've always known you to be is on Casino Road there, kind of by Fred Meyer. Yeah. Yep. And Casino yeah. Road has been your community, really. It seems like most of of what you do and the soccer and everything is out in that community. Is that right? Well, we what we really serve is the Casino Road and Madison neighborhood. Okay. And Casino Road is kind of a hub where a lot of people from around the area come to. They come to play at Walter Hall Park. Um, some of the immigrant uh, families that we serve are a little bit transient. Um, sometimes they might need to cohabitate. So they, they tend to kind of bounce around the hmm. kind of South Everett area. And Casino Road is kind of the, kind of the center of that. Um, and it's... It's a wonderful place, very blue collar, a lot of hardworking people there, a lot of a lot of immigrants. Um, uh, you have this huge draw in in Walter Hall. We've got uh, great restaurants there if you yeah. want to. Yeah, the, what's what's the uh, best place to eat on Casino Road? Right on Casino Road, I would say my my favorite is Casa El Dorado. The tortilla factory. It, the tortilla factory oh, yeah. is the big signs. Yeah. So, so they make fresh tortillas every day, and uh, Fabio and Eduardo the. They're the brothers who own that place. That's my my favorite. So, and they've got a really neat store there called uh, Las Cavellanas. Uh, Senior Felipe owns that. They have a, a bakery in there and a fruiteria, and it's it's just a really fun place to hang out. So a lot of people, even who don't live in the neighborhood, actually come to to shop there at Las Cavellanas or come to get a a, a bowl of Vietnamese soup or um, you know come to get to get Mexican food, yeah. hang out at the park and. And right down the street, too, we've got Cash Park as well, which is mm. just another gem of Everett. And um, you just kind of, you know, walking distance from Casino Road, you're talking probably five minutes. You know, when I was growing up, I was into skateboarding, and Casino Road had the skate park. Oh, so yeah. So we would, we would go there to skateboard and gear it, too. Oh, um, yeah. That was kind of the spot. But I remember some of my early memories of Casino Road, my parents taking me to that skate park, is that Casino Road had this stigma about it. It was seen as, like, the perception of it was that it was unsafe and I think Everett I mean is generally misunderstood right we talk about that all the time with living Everett and I think Casino Road is super misunderstood and um, is it misunderstood and if so why I I think it is misunderstood my kids spend most of their time there, their free time. We do soccer practice there, my, my own kids. Um, we have friends and, and visit all the time in the apartments there. Um, I think it's because it's impoverished. I think it's because it's, it's an immigrant community and maybe it looks a little bit different. But, you know, when we moved from Casino Road, Madison neighborhood, we're on just a little bit the east side of, of Mill Creek. Um, and I, I, to be honest, I had to get to property because my construction business had grown so I had to have a place to park trucks so they've developed all around us it's very high end I went out to get my paper a couple years ago and somebody had been shot right across the street from me and this is Mill Creek um, there was a murder domestic violence there was a drive-by shooting but it's not played up the way that it is on Casino Road um, 
it, it's just different how it how it's portrayed when it happens there, and I I haven't quite put my finger on it, um, and and I wish it wasn't that way. I wish that that people would really see the beauty of, of the kids. I wish that they would see how hardworking these families are. Yeah, um, I think as a society, poverty is just so stigmatized. Like I grew yeah. up poor, and I feel like when when rich people commit crimes or violent acts, it's sort of just like you're right. It's talked about differently. Like one of, I feel like as a society, we're just kind of generally afraid of poor people or Brown people. I, I agree. And, and you know, it's unfortunate because there was a, just a tragedy at, at Kamiak high school. Um, you know, the a shooting down there and, and I, I'm so thankful for how the Muckleteo community rallied around, um, those families, you know, there's, there's the ribbons on the back of the cars and there was, um, you know, support groups and all, you know, everything as it should be. But one of our boys was, was shot a while back for wearing blue shoes and instantly because it was casino road and because he was a, a, a kid of color, it must've been gang related. And that was the initial narrative. And we actually had to contact the media to kind of change that. And, uh, Luckily, they did. You know, luckily, they did. but still, the, imagine the hurt for that family. Of wait a minute, my my kid was a victim of a random act of violence, but because he's poor, because he's a male, because he's of color, you know, the the word gang kept you know getting thrown into that narrative, and, and that makes me sad because that's that's not the truth. You're right. If things happen in a middle class neighborhood, there seems to be a lot more support, a lot more understanding, um, and that's what I want for for our community in South Everett, those, those little pockets that they're impoverished. I wish people would see the beauty in the kids, how loving these families are, how hardworking they are, how generous they are. You had said that you have hopes for the South Everett community. And I want to hear more specifically on like, what is, what are some of your hopes and dreams for the casino road and South Everett community? Because we're all up here in North Everett, man, you know, like, um, this is kind of our neighborhood, you know, and we talk about how we connect more with South, South Everett through the work that we're doing with Live in Everett and telling good stories about Everett, and we try to get down there. Um, but, you know, we're up here, so we have you here, and um, I want to hear more about South Everett Casino Road and some of the cool things that are happening there and then what some of your hopes for the future are. Yeah, no, that's great. So my dreams for I would say first off, for, it's important to understand that for hand in hand, um, we we really target Snohomish County. So we're just a little bit broader. But it, the Casino Road, just from a personal standpoint, having sure. lived there, is just I still consider it my neighborhood, and my mm-hmm. home. And and my dream would be that uh, that what ends up happening there is is a lot of the kids who who have grown up in that neighborhood really share the stories about what a wonderful place it is. So instead of having a reputation of a place where, boy, you wouldn't want to go there, you wouldn't want to live there, that, no, that's that's the place you go. If you know somebody who's who's struggling, you know, a single mom, or or you have a, a, a friend who, who's brought somebody over from, you know, from Mexico or Europe or, um, you know, an immigrant family, that that's where you go to kind of get on your feet. Everything's within walking distance. There's yeah. great restaurants, there's great culture, and this is where you kind of, kind of do that soft landing that's what i would would be my dream for the south everett area Hmm. cool and are you very familiar with the city's plans with uh the light rail in the coming decades to develop that area more i am it it uh, it's exciting and it's scary Hmm. because there's uh, housing is already so expensive in that area It, it actually uh, on par with Seattle currently. So um, it's going to be kind of a delicate balance of how do we progress, how do we move forward, and how do we make sure that there's still room for everyone uh, to have a seat at the table. Totally. Yeah, just so from an outsider looking in, that's one of my fears for that for that community is when the light rail and everything comes in, then it just becomes gentrified and people get priced out of their community. And it's sort of like, where do they go now in Snohomish County? And in this region, everything is becoming so expensive. Yeah, and it's, it's going to be important that we continue to to have strong leadership. And, mm-hmm. and uh, let's be honest, we've got a great leader in, in Mayor Franklin. Yeah, um, totally. She she gets this type of stuff, and so that's uh, 
I talk a lot about hope. Um, yeah. But I, I have a lot of hope and a lot of faith in our in our uh, current leadership in the city. I, I believe Mayor Franklin, you know, understands these issues, and I believe that she's going to advocate for for the families that we care about. And uh, so, how can people help get involved and support hand in hand? Well, it's all we're nonprofits. We need money. <laughs> sure, <laughs> we always say that. But yeah. we actually, if you go to our website, um, we actually have a needs list. So it's pretty easy. If if uh, you don't have a lot of money, you can get on a reoccurring thing where you might send diapers. We provide diapers to impoverished families and foster families and kids. Um, uh, well, we need clothes. Uh, so that's a, a good way. Um, could can sponsor kids for for events, and we're volunteer driven. So if you go on our website and you go to the, the events, and we're going to have a new new website launching here pretty quick, but you can you can get on there for events, and we have volunteer information meetings. You can show up and just find ways to get involved. Uh, the shelter, caring for foster kids as they, as they come in, we just ask for one shift a month. It's a lot of training. You can do more than that, but, um, you know, that that's kind of our ask. But there's other ways to, to serve as well, um, you know, sorting clothes and, uh, working with kids, we need soccer coaches. That um, uh, foster care is really where where the big need is right now. And what's uh, your website where people can learn more? Yeah, it is www.handinhandkids.org. All spelled out: H A N D I N H A N D K I D S dot org. Awesome! Awesome! Thank you so much for coming, Todd. Well, it's yeah. great to talk to you and. Great to see you. Oh, great to see you guys as well. Thank you so much. An honor and a privilege to be here. Jet and Black Appliance want to help you get grilling with the new Traeger and Weber grill lines in stock now. Every grill purchased at Jet and Black Appliance includes free assembly and financing is available. Get grilling with Jet and Black, your hometown appliance store. Help support Live and Everett with a donation to our Patreon. Even a dollar a month helps us deliver stories, videos, and this podcast about the good things in Everett every single week. Want to know more? Head over to patreon.com slash Everett to donate today and help support Live and Everett. Huge shout out to Michael Smith for donating at the $5 level. If you want a shout out like we just gave Michael on this here podcast, slide us a fiver at patreon.com slash Everett. And I always forget to put this in the in that copy right there. But if you sign up to be a three dollar or more a month patron, you get Living Ever TV early, which is pretty cool. And I pretty much go in there and uh, type a little thing. We'll give you a little peek behind the curtain, what's going on in yeah. it at uh, Living Ever. It's a good time. So thanks for hanging out on the Living Ever podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please help others discover it as well by subscribing on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leaving a review. If you'd like to drop us a line, you sure can. Podcast at liveandever.com or leave us a voicemail at 425-341-3731. Thanks for joining us today. Special thanks to Todd McNeil from Hand in Hand. And of course, possibly the greatest band in the world because I play bass in it, <laughs> Oliver Elfarmy for our theme music. Did you take out the thank you to producer Henry J? I did because you said something like, <laughs> why would we thank you? Because you're pretty much a host now. So I took it out. <laughs> Good. I was wondering if that's why you took it out. Uh, that was a, I've, you know, that was a <laughs> leftover from the early, the early days. That was a relic. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The good old days. Speaking of good old things, remember good things happen in ever because of you. Thanks so much for listening and being a part of our wonderful city. Everybody. We love you. Have a great week. This is why we're ever till the grave.